again and welcome to the Gallifrey Times podcast. Um, we've got quite a lot to cover in this podcast about Series 11. Ben's actually arrived late today. Um, I think he's been out with Bradley Walsh again at the Ritz. Is that right, Ben? <laughs> yep, I wish. You're trying to trying to sneak your way onto the chase. Yeah, I'm going to try and work my way onto Doctor Who via the chase. Okay, that's a very, very cunning plan, as Baldry would say. Um, so we've got a lot to cover today. Since we last um, broadcast the podcast, we've um, had three episodes of Series 11, um, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, The Ghost Monument, and Rosa. So, Ben, do you want to tell us um, what's going to be happening in this episode? Yeah, um, so we're going to be looking at the first three episodes of Series 11. And we've also got Who Hats on as our guest this week, um, quite a popular Twitter account who... Are avid fans of all the hats in Doctor Who, so we'll be talking to them later. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now it's over to you for the news. First up in the news, a new constellation has been named after the TARDIS. NASA have been scanning space for gamma rays and have discovered a series of new constellations, which have all been named after things from popular culture and history, like Albert Einstein and the Eiffel Tower. And one of these new constellations is named after the TARDIS. Although you can't see it with the naked eye, they have created a map to show what it looks like, which you can find on our website. In other news, the fifth Doctor's former companion, the shape-shifting robot comedian, is being brought back for a series of Big Finish audios, also starring Peter Davison, Janet Fielding and Mark Strickson. The first of the new adventures will be released in January next year. Meanwhile, Madame Tussauds in Blackpool have unveiled a new interactive exhibit featuring a lifelike waxwork of the 13th Doctor and a TARDIS that was actually used on the show. So check that out. And finally, Lavazzi are bringing out a new shorter version of the 4th Doctor's iconic burgundy scarf from season 18. The company has made massive success with their 4th Doctor scarves and other Doctor Who clothing, and this new scarf is available to buy now from their website. Ben, will you be getting a scarf? Yep, I've already ordered mine. Because they brought out a shorter version of the multicolored scarf, and I got one of those a few years ago, and I love it. It's my favourite scarf. It's sort of all the fun of the fourth Doctor scarf, but not as manic to try and handle. Yeah. Right, Ben, well, we're getting around to episode discussion now. Uh, our last podcast, obviously, I hadn't seen The Woman Who Fell to Earth, the first episode of Series 11, but now I have, and not only that, I've seen The Ghost Monument and Rosa, um, but suddenly, I guess, a lot of what you were hinting at made much more sense to me from the last podcast. And um, Yeah, um, I saw it at the premiere, so um, it's weird, actually. Um, and usually after I watch a Doctor Who episode, I watch it again the next day, and I went, wasn't able to do that, so... I was actually really excited again, um, and I loved it. Obviously, the female Doctor, I mean, I've made a note here because um, looking really generally at the three episodes, but I suppose particularly that first one, it was like, uh, to me, it just felt like um, an element of, as you had said, um, not making a big thing of, of um, a female Doctor bursting onto the scene, but it was there was an element to me of like... Um, Jodie Whittaker turns up and almost teaches the doctors how to do it, if you know what I mean. Does, does that make any sense to you at all? Yeah, I think she does get it straight away. Um, yeah, it's like, t- you know, teaching the boys how to do it, if you know what I mean. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think you've gone that far, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. But I mean, for me, you know, like with when the master turned to Missy, it took quite a while to sort of accept that and tune your brain and say, okay, this is the master. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of getting that way with um, the Doctor now. I kind of believe it a bit more now, but 
Um, I mean, even in the first episode, she was doing loads of sort of doctory things and saying the sort of things you would say. And honestly, to me, it does seem pretty seamless. It's like Jodie Whittaker herself has consciously like put all of the all of the sort of any controversy or any um, arguments um, regarding whether it should be a male or, or a female for the Doctor. She's she's got over all of that, and she's just doing the, her job, right? She's the Doctor, and it and it definitely works. Um, and certainly, you know, as the as the three episodes that we've seen so far um, developed. Um, by Rosa I just think she's she's properly established now yeah I think as well in the first two episodes there's no TARDIS and um in the first episode there's no um theme so it was kind of a bit weird it was sort of didn't quite feel like Doctor Who but now we've got like Jodie's in there and we've got the theme tune and the TARDIS and sort of all the main components are there so now it's proper feels like Doctor Who it also doesn't feel like Doctor Who because it's so cinematic and it looks completely different, really stunning. Yeah. Um, so it looks better than it's ever done before. I thought there was some really, you know, the, the atmosphere really built up in it and some really creepy scenes. So when the uh, the pod- podule that's found in the woods um, is removed and studied by the cousin of someone who went missing, right? I mean, all of that, it's sort of like a warehouse with chains hanging around. It's like a real <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. Um, so, yeah, really kind of very spooky. And actually, am I right in saying it was, it was quite a long time before the Doctor appeared, similar to Christopher Eccleston's? appearance yeah i think it was about 10 15 minutes but that was really disappointing um because the big thing at christmas was when she was falling from the tardis and it was like oh how's she going to survive and then oh she just crashes through the train i think a lot of people were disappointed by that <laughs> um I, I think if Anne would have some words to say on her chances of survival <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um quite possibly would have to ask him um, yeah, yeah. So Ben, also you you told me about how there was this disgusting, scary monster that you weren't going to let your mother see, which is very <laughs> very gallant of you. The the main villain is Tim Shaw, who's got a face full of teeth. So that's gruesome. But um, he also uses that piece of alien kit, which has got all the tentacles and it's very octopusy. <laughs> what kind of octopuses have you been looking at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Tim Shaw looks horrible. My mum didn't like him at all. She was hiding behind her hands. Well, to be fair, I'd probably run away from a man that's throwing salad at me. And, and so, um, <laughs> yeah, salad, salad Man went so popular after the episode. Like, he's still being talked about on Twitter. And, of course, we got an interview with him the other week. So yeah. you can check that out. And he's a really nice guy as well. We were chatting to him. Yep, legend. So after the, that epic first episode with, from Jodie Whittaker um, and the twist that I hadn't expected at all with um graham's wife grace passing away um yeah i've i'll just jump in because obviously i'd seen it before so i knew that was coming and about like two minutes before she died my mum who was watching the episode said oh i really love grace she's probably my favorite character at the moment oh my goodness I was like, no don't say that because <laughs> you're gonna be crying in a minute and she was oh no for about a week after she just every now and then kept saying i can't believe they killed off grace well, yeah, I've kind of been keeping an eye and I do lurk in the background of the, of the Gallifrey Times, um, little team chats and things. I in the background of my house. 
Well, that as well, baby. It's just, um, I had to just take time off from that to, to do this podcast. But, um, yeah, occasionally I do um, notice things that are, are talked about in the in the chat channels. That generally the um, the notifications drive me bonkers. But maybe we'll be seeing Grace again. But that's just guesswork, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah. Well, when she was announced, it was announced as a recurring character. But the thing is, Chibnall's been lying because he said there's no series arcs, but he's brought back the or he's mentioned the stands are coming back so there is probably going to be story arcs so he could have been lying about grace coming back so we don't really know at the moment his predecessor moffat certainly lied i mean he told us that <laughs> um he told us that clara was gone dead in um in the day was it the day of the raven or whatever the the that face that, the raven yeah. face the raven thank you um but not just the stenza the timeless child um that's another because i'd written down about these arcs that supposedly there weren't going to be any but there's <laughs> yeah. two things planted there the stenza carried over from the first episode to the second episode the ghost monument so we've got those two potential story arcs i mean the stenza and then mention of the timeless child so let's get our theories out early what what do you think the timeless child is or is it person or a thing or i uh, to be honest i was i imagine it's an element of the doctor herself um but I, other than that i really couldn't tell you what what might you think that, that it could refer to i'm not really sure timeless child sounds like some sort of time traveler or i don't know maybe it's captain jack captain jack um that would be so so good okay so the the Timeless Child and the Stenza are things to watch out for. Um, the most recent episode, uh, Ben, has been probably most highly praised out of the first three. Yeah, Rosa, uh, Yeah, and the, the historic true story about Rosa Parks and her part in the American Civil Rights Movement. Um, it, it was amazing, wasn't it? I think um, Vinette, have I pronounced that right? Vinette Robinson? Yeah, I think so. Um, was just did such a good job as playing Rosa Parks and just awesome acting, you know, something really reverent about it and just um, great to see. Yeah, she was really good. It was uh, it was an awesome episode and the, what um, struck me, getting to know the characters, you know, Yaz, Ryan, Graham, it was such a great thing, the dilemma they were in at the end where they realised they had to play a part in that moment of history by by staying seated. Yeah. Um, and Graham just kind of shouting out, I don't want any part of this because, you know, he knows it's all to do with racism and it's a, it's a horrible injustice. Um, but the doctor says, no, you do, you know, and, and so it's like a... Well, it's a fixed point in time. It's one of those, like, the Pompeii episode, but... Yeah. I mean, Bradley Walsh is acting, because, you know, quite a few people were saying when he was announced, like, oh, he's a presenter, he's, like, rubbish actor and that, but if anyone said that and they watched that episode, he was amazing in it. He was really good. Because, I mean, he's really funny in the episode as well. He's In all the episodes, he's sort of a nice... He's sort of a bit of the comic relief and sort of everyday man, but then at the end sort of shows his versatility as an actor. There was some, I was thinking something a little earlier, that's something that um, made me chuckle a bit, was that um, there's quite a bus theme to you know, two, <laughs> yeah. two of these episodes, and you are an expert at journalist on buses because you did the, the <laughs> yep, John I've Nathan f- Turner, was, was <laughs> it? Is that the uh, name? Yep, a legendary J&T bus trilogy of stories. Yeah, um, which are historic in the <laughs> yeah. realms of the Gallifrey Times. My magnum opus. <laughs> Talking of, well, like the bus thing, 
Um, and Graham happens to be a bus driver. There seems to be a bit of that in that episode because it centres around Rosa Parks and it's sort of a bit too much of a coincidence that Grace loved Rosa Parks and had a T-shirt of it and uh, Ryan and Yaz were in a class called Rosa Parks. It's you know you remember when like Clara sort of always knew everything to do with the plot and I'm happy to go with the coincidence if that makes sense. But hopefully that's not a recurring thing throughout the series where they happen to know everything that the plot needs them to know and stuff. Yeah, and what I also realise is this: I'm learning things, so I never knew about Blake the Snake. You know, um, James Blake was the racist bus driver. Yeah, I mean it's weird because. I thought Rosa Parks and her old story was sort of common knowledge, but um, no one in my family knew about it. And I asked my colleagues and only a couple of them knew. So it's good if everyone doesn't know about it. It's good that Doctor Who is pointing out and uh, paying tribute to that and making people aware of the struggles that have gone on completely um i'll tell you this was my level of ignorance um i'd know all i noticed was the episode was called rosa and um i've got a good friend his uh, daughter's named rosa and i i'd sent rosa's mum a message saying that oh, oh it's called rosie you know and um i hope that rosa is is a, a good a good uh, character and not a, <laughs> not a monster um, so uh yeah. Then to learn about Rosa Parks and I, yeah, ed- absolutely educational. Um, Talking of monsters, so there wasn't really a sort of, well, there was an alien villain, but he was kind of, it wasn't really developed that much in it because he he wasn't trying to take over the world. He was just trying to nudge it, and we didn't really learn much about him, like who he was or where he's from. Um, so that was it was kind of a disappointing villain, but and I think in a story like this, it doesn't really need a really strong villain because the story and Rosa Parks and everything is more important than this villain. He did seem to have some future agenda and was when he confronted Ryan in the episode, there did seem to be some sinister anticipation of, of more to come in the series regarding his, regarding Crasco, the character Crasco. Um, but yeah. I could be wrong. Well, that's the thing because he was sent back in time, but he wasn't killed. So I've seen people online say, no, we might come back, but, I don't know, I don't think he will. I also, actually, when I first watched it and I saw him, because he had the Vortex Manipulator and the all the time-related weapons and that, I genuinely thought it might be the Master at one point. Really? <laughs> I didn't think that, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was... I don't know if you noticed, but he spoke in both an American accent and a British accent at different points. Um, I think that was just him trying to, like, blend, like fit in as a character it was like a he was on a sort of um he was on an operation he was um uh sort of making his plan um so how's your how's your american accent by the way can you do um, american did you do it in new york uh yeah i went around saying yee-haw to everyone and, it, <laughs> um, and it went down really well I got a, a free um, a free wiener thrown at me from a, from a bagel shop. Was was that when you was riding around on your horse? <laughs> yeah, that's right, Geronimo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> absolutely, Alonzi, Alonzi, right? Yeah, on my horse down Central Park. There are horses in Central Park. Oh yeah. man, um, yeah, all the way up to the Empire Straight to the Empire Straight Building. It's all gone wrong. Um, right. <laughs> Riding up the side of the Empire State Building on your anti-grav bike. 
anti-graphite which if I will have um, um, stacked with a lot of tech <laughs> which will send me into a dimension that you could only dream of Ben <laughs> but, um, but I'll, you know I'd come back and take you there as well oh you're a good man yeah I try to be so all the way through um, I think it's it's shaping up really really well and by the time this podcast goes out Ben we episode four will probably have already happened and we might have found out more about the Stenza and the Timeless Child yep are you looking forward to episode four with the spiders yeah well okay yes and no because um, I genuinely do not like spiders so they they have no right to, to live in my house and <laughs> um, and I generally drop a phone book on them when I see them <gasps> it's, it's my way of it's my way of dealing with them it, just because they scare me they honestly I don't know what it is but um, well, you, you probably scare them if you're going around throwing phone books at them. Yeah, that, there's definitely got to be truth in that, but I'm happy if that's the case because those little <laughs> shouldn't be in my house. <laughs> we don't have to censor that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we, I think we will. <laughs> um, so, Ben, we've, we've both watched three episodes of um, Series 11 and um, I think it's probably honest of us to say we were both had our doubts, you know, going into series 11. I was just going to put it out there, you know, how do you feel it's going? Because I think it's going absolutely couldn't go, couldn't be going any better. It's, it really is going very well. Yeah. I mean, the first episode was brilliant. Second episode, the pacing was a bit off and there wasn't that much character development and that, but then episode three, right back up there, um, really making me excited for the rest of the series. And yeah, like you said, I was doubtful of Jodie, and I'm happy to announce that I was wrong. Excellent. I've got you there um, on record. And so that wraps up our discussion, and now it's time to move over to our feature, which is Who Has? So now we've got the owner of the Who Hats Twitter account. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast. That's a pleasure. So the main focus of the Twitter account is quite simply hats in Doctor Who, which is rather a niche thing to focus on. Um, what made you decide to set up the account? Yes, you're right. It certainly is niche. Um, it was inspired around the time we set up in January 2017. And around that time, there were quite a few um, active Twitter accounts like uh, Wigs of Doctor Who, Who Labels, Who FX, mm -hmm. all specialising in niche areas of Doctor Who. And we thought, why not provide another one, another public service, and point out the different hats in Doctor Who. And it, what started as sort of as a kind of one-note joke mm -hmm. account has kind of grown into... We've got involved with lots of other fans for, through discussions, things like Doctor Who on Twitch was a great time on Twitter, mm -hmm. um, fan events and things. So it's kind of snowballed into we've tried, edited the bio and added a bit about chats as well as hats because yeah. um, it's, it's branched out. We still keep to our core. We still point out the Who hats in stories as they're coming out, but we do a bit more as well now. Yeah, I've noticed you've been doing the um, Twitch sessions, and those look great. Are they fun? Do you, do you get many people on yeah, Twitch? that kind of grew our, our... We've not got many followers, uh, as Twitter accounts go, but it, we really skyrocketed in terms of the numbers we have uh, during the Twitch broadcasts. Um, and we just it was really a fun period in Dot2 fandom where it was such a positive wave of um discussion about dot two 
because we were fearing um, that everyone would be a bit sneery about classic Doctor Who because mm-hmm. we grew up watching classic Doctor Who on VHS and we've always loved it. Yeah. But we hadn't revisited much since New Who started. So even we were a bit fearful that actually revisiting some stories, they might not stand up. But what really shone through for us was actually it's just really strong storytelling Mm -hmm. from 1963 onwards. Yes, there are the odd ropey monster, shaky set or whatever, (laughs) all the classic tropes that the public knock it for. But actually the core of it, it's really solid writing, really strong characters. And it's just a through line 1963 to now. It's just a really fun show. Mm. And it was just nice to have that wave of positivity about all eras of Doctor Who so far and just engage with fans and share what we're enthusiastic about. Yeah, I think that's what's good. Uh, Once you see past like the slightly dodgy prosthetics and stuff, it's all about the storytelling and that's what people care about. And it's great that new fans can come and enjoy these classic episodes. Yes, and that that was another nice thing for us to see new fans discovering for the first time stories they'd not seen before, especially if you hopped on from the ninth Doctor, 10th Doctor onwards. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to go back and discover, and it just provides a bit more context for the show uh, as a whole. And you see, actually, there's a lot more the same than there is different. Obviously, New Who has better budgets, um, arguably some of the best acting that's ever been in the show mm-hmm. but there's a lot to enjoy from the earlier years yeah definitely do you have any particular favorite episodes from the classic era standout favorite for me personally is uh curse of Fenric. Mm-hmm. um quite late on into the run of the classic era but um yeah that's a standout um as many for each doctor really um the invasion uh Genesis of the Daleks, of course. Um, yeah, lots, lots. Yeah. So um, anyone listening, I encourage you to join in with the Twitch um, watching classic Doctor Who and, of course, follow Who Hats um, so you can join in there, commentary on it. So moving on to the new series, what what's your opinion on Series 11 so far? Overall, liking it. Um I don't think we've had a definitive... We're four four episodes in now mm-hmm. of a 10-episode run. I don't think we've had a definitive classic, although I would give Rosa that ending was superb and yeah. they nailed that. Um, but I don't think we've had the standout defining episode of Series 11 yet. And I hope we get one. We've got six episodes left to go. Um, what I'm really liking, though, is the the new TARDIS team mm. led by the new 13th Doctor who I think is a brilliant sort of nervous ball of energy it's quite obviously aside from being the first female Doctor it's quite uh, a new take on the Doctor it, it's just I feel like she'd be a fun Doctor to travel with yeah because some of the Doctors you like them as a character but you think would you want to be their companion yeah thinking like Tom Baker sometimes has his his companions at arm's length. He's not very mm-hmm. warm and engaging. I just feel like the 13th Doctor would be a fun person to go on an adventure with. Yeah. So that's what I'm really liking her as a driving force. Then you've got Graham Bradley Walsh is knocking out the park, I think. He's, he's providing that sort of emotional core. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then 
an interesting relationship with his sort of step-grandson, Ryan. The only one I'm thinking is struggling a bit to get stronger characterization through is Yaz, who, mm. nothing against the actress, I just don't think she's been given enough material to work with yet. And again, I'm hoping in future episodes we see a bit more than her just standing on the sidelines commenting on the plot. I hope we get a bit more in-depth character on her. Because even when they introduced her family in the last episode, I still felt she was sidelined to um, driving across to the hotel for quite a portion of the episode. Yeah. And I feel like we need to see a bit more from her. Yeah, but I think as well, because with Graham and Ryan, we've had like the whole story arc with Grace and them grieving over her. That's kind of overshadowed jazz a little bit yes i i'd agree um they've they've had a clear through line so far through the episodes and it's great to see it wasn't just after the first episode they were over it it's still obviously an ongoing grieving process for them mm. um yaz needs to find that that through line through her episodes i'm sure it will come yeah because it's something the the writers will they'll have it mapped out and they'll know where they're going far better than we do at this stage with things so i'm sure they'll drip things in yeah i mean the next episode is centered quite a lot around her with her going to um where her grandma is going back in time so i think it's going to be more focused around her so hopefully we'll see a bit more and that that'll be good that's why we and then we'll have four rounded up because i i like a crowded tardis i i've never been a person who's had a problem with more than one companion i feel like mm. no there's there's enough space in that tardis for multiple people yeah. and it's just down to the writing to give them enough to do mm. and failing that like nissa you can just go for a nap for an episode if, <laughs> if you're not needed for that episode yeah so, yeah speaking of the tardis what's your opinion on the new tardis design do you like it i i do it's it's a weird mash in that i didn't expect it to go so far back into sort of the 2005 look mm. i was very startled when it first appeared on screen and thought oh that's that's quite a sort of back step in terms of the lighting and things it's very chris freckleston in the coral tardis lighting yeah. wise um i quite like the sort of echoes of the fortress of solitude from S superman with the, the <laughs> crystalline structures but yeah it's, it's an interesting one it's it's not one of my favourites. I would I would like some proper solid roundels on a wall in a proper TARDIS. Yeah, like, definitely. And a bit return to the sort of white and cold clinical colour scheme. I, d I just think that'd be nice, just to have a, a modern take on that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Do you, do you like it? Um, not really. I think it's um, a bit dark and sort of, cramped with the um big crystal pillars but i think because the tardis is such an exciting place and it's not a really sort of good energy place and then having it so dark and sort of claustrophobic it's kind of the opposite of what it should be and that's the frustrating thing they they kind of have a fear they've always kind of had this of using the tardis to its full potential because we don't get to see other rooms we don't get to see living quarters no. and then when they give us that um journey to the center of the tardis that was <laughs> kind of recycling the same corridor over and over with a bit of different yeah. lighting she didn't even go into the swimming pool no, she just like no. walked past it 
and you've got a swimming pool, a library, a wardrobe. We'd, I'd love to see, like, was it the Christmas invasion where we saw the vast wardrobe? I'd love to see different takes on that. I'd love to see, because thinking around the fifth Doctor era, you'd get to go into the bedrooms and things and have a quick chat in there. Mm. And it just fleshes out the TARDIS as, as a living space as well as, oh, the console role. I, I get with the 45-minute episode format, they've got to get on with the storytelling. But here and there, they could just set a quick establishing scene in a different room. Yeah. But I suppose budgets and set building determine logistics like that. Mm. But I I just, I I would like to see more of the TARDIS. Yeah. I think because they always mention that it's like infinitely big as well. It kind of, you need to prove it if you're going to say that. Yes. Yeah. Especially for younger viewers who haven't seen any of the classic series. Yeah, definitely. It's just a big room behind the police box doors to them <laughs> yeah. rather than this vast space that goes on and on. It, it kind of loses that scale of mm. how big it is and how clever it is a piece of engine, like temporal engineering to fit such a vast space into a police box. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't have to be specially designed sets either because I remember the Tom Baker episode, I think it's The Invasion of Time, and like they just go into like a swimming pool and a hospital ward. Yeah, that, and that's the that's the other extreme where it's like, yeah, that's not the TARDIS interior. That's just <laughs> that's just yeah. a swimming pool you you found cheap to to hire for the for the day. Um, but again, that that's f- it's fun in a fan way to then think, well, oh yeah, there's these Victorian corridors and random pot plants mm. and things potted around. <laughs> just yeah, why not? Why not? Like. But yeah, you're right. They could use. I'm sure there's enough um, places around Cardiff that they could find. Um, as long as they don't keep going back to that, uh, is it the Millennium Centre where <laughs> everything's there? And I've been there now, so I know. Like, oh yeah, I've been there, so I spot it now. And going back to watching episodes, you you recognise like, oh yeah, there's a Amy Pond walking through. I walked there. Yeah. But yeah, they could find somewhere that looks a bit tardisy. Yeah, but um, kind of going a bit off topic now. Yes. Um, so we're going to finish off with a quick quiz, um, a hat-themed quiz. Okay. Which would be appropriate um, to test your knowledge. So we're going to start off. It's going to be a quick-fire thing. So here we go. Question one. Who was the first doctor to wear a hat? Well, the first doctor, William Hartnell. Uh, in An Unearthly Child, in the pilot episode, he has a different hat, I think. Uh, and then they settled on a a different one for the actual one they broadcast. Yep. Question two, name three hats that the fourth Doctor wore. Uh, definitely fedora. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what's the name of the Scottish one from uh, Terror of the Zygons? Yeah, well, it's, well, it's uh, Scottish. Scot- Scottish hat. <laughs> um, and, oh, another Tom. Oh, uh, Deerstalker in Talons of Wang Cheng. Yep. Could have also had... Viking helmet, clown hat, and bowler hat. Ah, yes. But you got them. Oh, good picks. Um, question three. What was the colour of the band on the fifth Doctor's Panama hat? Going red. Yep. Yes. Question four. Kind of answer this, but which two Doctors have worn a deer stalker? Um, fourth and eleventh. Yep. Yes. Question five. What colour are the latest version of the unit berries? Oh, have they? Oh, they were red. Yep. Did they go black ever, or are they red? We'll stick red. Yep, it's red. 
Question six. What type of hat did both companions, Harry Sullivan and Ben Jackson, wear? Oh, uh, sailors. They were both, because he was a naval surgeon. So did he don a sailor hat? Yep. Question seven. Finish the quote. I wear a Stetson now. Stetsons are cool. Yay. Yes. Question eight. (laughs) Who shot the 11th Doctor's fez? Uh, River Song. Yep. Question nine. Name two characters from series 11 that have worn hats so far. Ryan and Grace. Yep. And finally, question 10. What colour was Ryan's hat in The Woman Who Fell to Earth? Yellow. Yeah. We punched the air when we saw that in the trailer. Literally punched the air. <laughs> it's like we, were, we just had this fear Series 11 was going to be completely hat-free and we'd have nothing to do. So we were delighted <laughs> in the trailer when he popped up in a yellow hat. So, yes. yeah. so yeah, 10 out of 10. You've proved yourself to be the masters of hats. I was so relieved. So... Thanks again for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure. And everyone listening, go check out Who Hats on Twitter at Who Hat. And if you spot a hat, we need to be aware of hashtag Who Hats and we'll find it. And thank you for it. Yep. So thanks again and enjoy the rest of Series 11. All right. Thank you very much.